Well, good morning. It is wonderful to be back. Please join me and we sing the doxology together, number 549 in the red hymnal. 549 in the red hymnal. We'll sing the doxology. number 725. 725 in the Red Hymnal. The disciples came to Jesus asking, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a child, had him stand in front of them, and said, Remember this, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the one who humbles himself and becomes like this child. And the person who welcomes in my name one such child as this welcomes me. Some people brought children to Jesus for him to place his hands upon them and pray. But the disciples scolded those people. Jesus said, Let the children come to me, and do not stop them, because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. He placed his hands on them. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 389. 389, Just As I Am Without One Plea. 389.
Please join me in prayer. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you have brought all of us here this morning to worship you. And God, you know of the needs that we have in our lives. And Lord, we just lay before you right now the concerns that we have. And God, as we lay those concerns before you, remind us of always the presence that you are in our lives through your Spirit. And so God, as we pray to you, Lord, we lift up our needs, the needs of our friends, the needs of family, the needs of patients, the needs of the staff, the needs of family members that will be visiting here today. Lord, we lift all of those needs up to you. And God, we do not take for granted this opportunity that we have to come and to freely worship you according to our faith and conscience. And we praise you for that. And God, I would ask that you would just continue to bless us as we just want to worship you and we want to know our relationship with you better and better so we can draw closer to you. And Lord, we are so thankful that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Our next hymn is number 386, Just a Closer Walk with Thee. I am weak, but thou art strong. 386.
scripture reading this morning is Luke chapter 14, beginning with verse 7. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Amen. Let us pray. God, we are thankful for the hymns that we have sung together, the scriptures that we have read, the prayers that we have offered. And God, I would just ask that you would take this message as an offering as well. Because, Lord, we want to continue to worship you in thought, in deed, and apply it to our lives so that we can just have a better understanding of our lives. Help me now, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it's been a couple of weeks since I've been here preaching last, and I hope Chaplain Butler did a good job for you. All right, I see the nodding of the heads. That's an affirmation there. That's good. It's always good to be back to you because I always have stories to tell and ideas to share with you on my travels over the last couple of weeks. But what's interesting about the portion of Scripture that we read just now, it reminds us of who we are in God's eyes. And a lot of time it's difficult for us to understand that because we're caught up in terms of who we are. And I think all of us, and once again I'll joke with you about using the I statement, I know that there are times that I want to be placed first in line. And I know that there's actually some cultures in our world that depending upon what position you have or what profession you have, you actually have first-line privileges. But for those of us that have served in the military, the tradition in terms of the chow line is what? The senior enlisted and the senior officer eat last. At least that's the way it's supposed to be. And that's the way it's always been in my 33-plus years of service in the military. In fact, I remember one time when a battalion commander jumped in line first, and so did everybody else remember that as well, because he broke tradition. He broke the bond of leadership that he had with his soldiers. He broke a bond of trust. And I do need to tell you the rest of the story is for other things that he was involved in, he did not serve as a battalion commander for very long. And nobody was surprised. Why? 
because he put himself first above everybody else. And he exhibited that behavior by that one simple thing that he did about going and eating first in the chow line. And some of you are looking at me nodding your head and you're like, that is, and I'll use a different phrase here, that is a cardinal sin. That is the biggest no-no that you can do in the military. And Jesus is giving us that same type of analogy here in terms of who we are what we think of ourselves as we walk with God. He gives us the setting of a dinner party. Now, I must tell you, I don't go to many dinner parties. I don't go to any soirees, as they say, right? I'm using these big words. But I'm not invited to those kind of things. But I can just imagine myself when I have been invited to certain banquets and certain events, And it's always an honor to be at the head table. I think it is for most people. And on one such occasion, I was invited to do an invocation at this banquet, and I wasn't expecting to sit at the head table. I just took my seat out there with everybody else, and I actually was told by a senior officer to come up and sit with them because it was a place of honor, and they wanted the chaplain to be seen with all the other senior leaders. And that was an honor. And it would have been really embarrassing if I had made the assumption when I came in, right, to automatically sit at the head table because I, the senior chaplain, giving the invocation, I should be seen with everybody else. Right? Y'all laughing, okay. And it would have been embarrassing for that same senior officer to say, chaplain, no, this seat is for someone else. You need to go and sit over there with everybody else. It's the same analogy here. How do we see ourselves when we are with others? It's a lesson in our social behavior, our social interaction with each other. And it's humbling as Christ tells us how we should act when we are with each other. Because we truly should put others before ourselves. Now somebody has to go first. So if we were having cookies and punch after this service, which we're not, so don't get your hopes up, somebody always has to go first, right? And somebody always has to go last. But there's an order of precedence here that I think we need to examine and that we need to see. As I was thinking about the last couple of weeks in my time away from you, there have been various circumstances when I have been annoyed, when I have been angry, when I have not been such a nice guy. In fact, we were coming back on Monday morning and our flight had been delayed because the airline that we had originally booked our flights had significant computer glitches. I don't know if any of you saw that in the news. Well, we got caught up in that, and so our trip back home was delayed several days because they couldn't get us out of the city that we were in. And Lynn was boarding in front of me, and she had three of our grandsons, because three of our grandsons went with us on a trip. And so Lynn was trying to do the right thing, because if you have three grandsons that act in a variety of different ways, 
you normally don't want them sitting single seats with other people, right? Makes sense, right? So she was ahead of me in line and she had the three grandsons and the gate agent would not let her board with the three sons because they did not have the same priority of boarding that she did. And so I'm watching all of this stuff take place. And so Lynn steps aside, allows other people to board, and then I get up to where the gate agent is. And I must admit, I was very frustrated having been there for two days, wanting to get out, wanting to come home, wanting to get back into our routine. And this gate agent's attitude just pushed me to the edge. Okay? Everybody understands that, right? Just pushes me to the edge. And Lynn can see that I was getting pushed to the edge because I don't say anything. I have this look. doesn't happen very often. But it's a look of finality, if you understand what I'm saying. I'm being gracious. And as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I was really to the point where Lynn was concerned that I would act out. Okay? So I think you get a picture of that, right? And so I was pushed to the edge, and, and Lynn was concerned, and not just for me, but she was concerned about the gate agent because of what I probably would have done if it got pushed a little further. She's back there smiling. And for me, the thing wasn't about myself. What pushed me to the edge was how the gate agent was treating my wife and my grandsons. You get the picture there? It wasn't about me. I mean, I can sit anywhere on an airplane. I don't care. But it was the injustice that I perceived and the treatment of my wife that was pushing me to the edge because I did not think it was fair because she was trying to do the right thing. It's a small example, but I think that example that Christ is trying to tell us here that there are times when you are going to be annoyed about the injustices that you see in life. Not so much the injustice that happened to ourselves. I think all of us would identify the fact that we can take a lot of stuff. But when we see wrongs being done to someone that we love and care for, we kind of step it up a notch, if you understand. And Jesus is telling us here that when you are in different type of social situations, always remember to put others first. Set aside those things about yourself. Set aside those things that a lot of times we cannot see about ourselves. And we, be need, we need to be reminded of that. Because a lot of times we don't see how we react in certain situations. Because we do exhibit that self-importance, that self-absorption, that self-promotion. We exhibit the pride a lot of times that we don't see about ourselves. Many times we exhibit an attitude that we shouldn't have, and we probably can't describe it, but somebody who loves us, cares for us, points out that we are portraying something about ourselves that others are seeing that we can't see because we're blinded by that. And Jesus is telling us here to be reminded that we don't know many times how others see us. 
how others perceive us. Some of you have come to chapel for the first time to see me preach, and you're thinking, okay, what's this guy going to do? Well, you can tell right away that I don't use a comb. Okay? And you can tell I'm pretty casual because I don't have a tie on, I'm not wearing a robe. I try to be as open as I can about different things. I try to tell stories about myself and all of my imperfections. I don't always make the I statement, but I try to get there as much as I can. But I know that when I look at my life and people remind me, as Lynn was reminding me about the attitude that I was projecting, that I was taking it to the edge, I needed to hear that because I did not see that about myself. And we need to hear things about ourselves that make us feel a little uncomfortable because it should. If the shoe fits, right? But we don't like to hear that. But I think we do need to hear that about ourselves because we just can't see ourselves the way we truly are. And Jesus is telling us to always put others first, to show humility, to be humble. And as we have talked in previous weeks, humility means that you have the power and the authority to act upon a certain situation, but you choose not to do so. That is true humility. It's not being a doormat. It's not having people walk on you. But it's when you exhibit the fact that you know that perhaps you can influence a certain situation, but you choose not to. You choose not to because you know it's not going to be the right thing to do. And you exercise humility. And with our own interactions that we have with family members and friends, we should have that attitude of humility. We should be humble. In fact, just the other day I saw a sign about, and it was a pretty funny sign, it was actually talking about brown nosing. Is there anybody here who does not know what brown nosing is? All right. And it was an interesting sign because this person was kind of making a joke about the people around them that was doing exactly that. And in the same way, when we look in our own lives, what happens in our relationships around us when we put ourselves first, when we talk about how great we are first, when we become self-absorbed with who we are first? What kind of attitude does that project to others? I think it's an attitude that is not appealing. It doesn't ingrate ourselves to anyone in our relationships. Because if you know someone is only thinking about themselves, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond? Or you're going to respond like everyone else responds, saying, I am staying away from that person as far as I can. I know it's all about themselves, and I know that they're never going to do anything for me unless they can somehow personally benefit. Anybody got people like that, that walks in your world? But Jesus tells us that in our own lives we should exhibit an attitude that reminds us that 
it is not about ourselves, that it is about others. And the friends and family that you have are going to be attracted to you because it's not about you. It's about them. You're placing them first. And people love that. People really gravitate to that. Because you are revealing that you truly are their friend. You truly are a person that really cares for them. Because it's not about you. And I know as we look around our own individual lives, we have things in our lives that we've always done things a certain way. We have traditions. I have traditions in my family. I'm sure you have traditions in yours. We have things based on generational differences, and I'm seeing that more and more as I'm getting older. The people behind me seem to be getting younger. And all of those things that we see around us that gives us a different worldview. But there's one worldview that does not change. And it is the spiritual principle about ourselves in terms of how we see ourselves with others. And it is a blessing when we know that we present ourselves in such a way that it is honoring God. When we place others in front of ourselves. And in many ways, it's something that presents it and it really does heal us in different areas. Think about the times, and I'll use the I statement here, when I think about the times that I have been the most frustrated, when I have been the most angry, when I have been the most insecure, when I've had the most fears, as when I was thinking about myself. 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 And thinking about the circumstances within my life in terms of how myself would be affected if certain changes happened. But if I put others first, if I put the needs of others first in front of my own, guess what happens to all of those anxieties? they actually fade away. They take the proper priority that they need to have. And then we see some healing that needs to take place. I shared with you many weeks ago about the fact that my brother had died back in January. And when I was back home, I made the effort to find out where his grave was and to pay my respects. Because I believe that when we pay our respects to the dead, we also are paying our respects to the living. Because we are acknowledging life. We are acknowledging the sacrifices of that life and how important they are. So I had to look around and find out where he was and finally we went to the cemetery and I should actually show you a picture maybe next week I'll put it in the bulletin 
But as we came to the cemetery, and it's a civilian cemetery, there actually was a soldier, a statue of a soldier, on one knee, with his helmet off, with his weapon beside him, with a cross in front of him. And he was praying. And above that statue were all the different flags of the different services. Now this is a civilian cemetery. It's not a VA cemetery. It's not a state cemetery. It's a civilian cemetery. And I must admit that I looked at that and I was truly humbled. Because it was acknowledging the lives of those that had served in our country that were buried there. And because there was that acknowledgement, to me it was a reminder and a very humble reminder that their sacrifices have been made for all of us. And each of us that have served in the different services, we have made those sacrifices for others. And we know of friends and family members that have made the ultimate sacrifice. And we were humbled by that. It's not a humbleness that has pride, but it has a humbleness of identifying with all of us the service that we have. The service of putting others first. And as we drove on to the cemetery, the office was closed and we were trying to look for it and somebody had told me because he was buried in January to look for fresh sod, right? We don't think about that here in Arizona, but to look for fresh sod. And so I was driving around and trying to find the fresh sod, right? And finally I was getting to the point where I'd been walking around and I just couldn't find it and I was, going to, I was ready to give up. And one of my grandsons who was riding with us looked off to his left and he actually saw it. And he said, Grandpa, that's where it is. So I got out of the car, I went over and sure enough, there was my brother. And I paid my respects. And I was humbled by that. I was humbled by that. Because when you do something like that, you think of the relationship. And even though the relationship is not perfect, and it wasn't perfect between my brother and me, at that point, it doesn't matter, does it? And at that point, even though you think about the if-onlys and the should-ofs and the could-ofs and all that kind of stuff, but all that fades away. And as I paid my respects, I thought about the good things about the relationship and not the bad. I didn't think about how imperfect the relationship was. I thought about just the goodness that we did have at times with each other. And that is something that in our own lives we project to others about who we are. I am not a perfect person. I make a lot of mistakes and I make them daily. But because I am aware of that, 
I think it helps me show grace to others. It's not a self-righteousness. I am not better than anyone here. In fact, in many areas, you're probably a better person than I am. But you see, that's how God looks at us. God looks at us in equality. God sees us all the same. In fact, I saw something on Facebook the other day, and they were quoting Rosa Parks. And there was a quote from her about, you have nothing to be fearful of, I'm paraphrasing, if you know that you are doing the right thing. And I believe her life exemplifies the fact that she was putting others first over her own concerns. And it started, I think, a wonderful movement. And that's another story to share with you to actually be in that church, which I was a couple of months ago. And you know, as we think about those things, and we think about those examples, Jesus is giving us that example. Because he wants us to have that blessing every day. And yes, we have peaks and valleys. We have good days and we have bad days. But God wants us to have that relationship where no matter where we go, no matter what type of interaction we have with other people, He always wants us to be like Him in terms of how we treat each other. And in that principle, we see within our own lives how much we can change for the better, for the good. And that principle, we can see that within our own lives, as we exalt others, we are also exalting not ourselves, but what we believe in, the ideals of ourselves. And as we think about those things, it's not something in which you should be ashamed. And it's not about ourselves in terms of what I titled the sermon about being the me monster. And the me monster is just exactly this. When you're in a social setting and the person in that social setting has to do one better than everyone else's story, right? You get with a bunch of vets and they're telling the war stories and there's always the me monster in there that has to say that they did one more jump that they experienced one more combat situation. Yeah, okay, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. But that's not what it's about. It's about our interaction in terms of, not about pounding our chest, in terms of telling other people how great we are and all the things that we do and how wonderful life is for us. On the contrary, we do the opposite. Where we talk about the different things in our lives in which we are learning, in which we are growing from, to make us better. Because when we do that, we are actually showing the vision that Christ has for each and every one of us. By example. By example. And that example includes all of us. All of us 
struggle with a variety of things. All of us get angry. All of us experience loss. All of us have fears. All of us have anxieties. But the only way that we can start that healing process is to remind ourselves again and again where we are in the eyes of God. And in the eyes of God, you are good because of His grace. You are good because He loves you unconditionally. And that's hard for us to understand. Because we think of ourselves, I think of myself as not being good. Not worth anything. But God says no. I am worth a great deal. You are worth a great deal. Our lives are worth a great deal. And we can't use the measurement that society uses to measure. We use God's measurement. And God's measurement is one of forgiveness. God's measurement is one of unconditional love. God's measure is one of hope, of truth, of trust, of a blessing to all of us as we walk with God. As we go through the rest of this day and as we begin this week, remind yourself that God wants you to put others first. And in doing so, you're actually making the best decision for yourself. Because you'll see the relationships different, you'll see yourself different, and it'll be more positive than it will be negative. And that's what we need to have in our lives. The positive blessings of walking with God. The positive blessings about following Jesus Christ. Because in doing so, we truly do see what God wants us to do every day in our lives for others. And it truly becomes a blessing for us. Amen. Please take a few moments and prepare your hearts for communion because we do that corporately as a body of believers in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you have reminded us to put others first. And God, thank you. Thank you for reminding us of that. And when we do that, God, you do see things in our lives that we need to work on, that we need to make better. And Lord, I would just ask that you would forgive us, forgive us for walking in pride, forgive us for not showing the humility, and help us, God, to do it the way that it needs to be done for everyone. In Christ's name, amen.
received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. Our closing hymn this morning is number 303, I Serve a Risen Savior. Help us to do that now, God. 
And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for coming.